Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast with my partner, Brian Siegler. I'm Curtis Wilson. Brian, did we play a perfect game? Uh, no, we did We did not play a perfect game. It was not even close to a perfect game. Uh, it was a lot closer to our predictions, though. So take that for what you will. Damn close to our predictions. If you know, you don't fumble inside the 10 one time, you don't fumble inside their 15 one time, we're hell, we're probably right on the number. Um, Hokies very fall, true, man. Hokies fall 45 to 10. As all you listening know, you guys are informed, Hokie fans for sure, but you know, 45 10, it is what it is. You know, we're, we're on spitball tonight, guys. We got on about 45 minutes ago, watching the game, started chatting, and we were talking about what we're going to do for a rundown. And we sat there and we chatted, and Brian just put in defense, offense, what's next? We're spitballing here. So yeah, this we, we, play, we, played a, we played a Will McAvoy there, throw out the rundown. Throw we're out vamping. The rundown. <laughs> um, you know – what can you say? That's an elite team that we just played with one of maybe the best collegiate quarterbacks that's ever played with one of the best collegiate running backs that ever played um, with some good receivers, with some good defenders, with a great coaching staff. And Brian, we're sitting here talking. It's third and four. <laughs> we're at the 45 yard line. And we run. The play and Brian curses. What the fuck? <laughs> oh. Man, it, it, pain, pain, pain. That's, That's it. A lot of pain. That's um, what it was, man. Um, that that was kind of indicative of the night. Um. This is the this is another classic 2020 Hokies football game, ladies and gentlemen. Where for one half you had one side of the the team that played pretty damn well, and the other side just didn't make enough plays. And then in the second half, the wheels fell off, and a one score game turns into a four score game, and that that's what it is. And we we've, we've become accustomed to seeing that. What? consistently from this team this year. I mean, we went out there, you know, 17-10 at half, had a chance to potentially tie it going into half and got too conservative and then almost got lucky and in, in, in sticking one in, but it came up inches short. And then, you know, just the complete second half dud that we all saw coming but hoped wouldn't happen. Well, well, we didn't see it coming initially. Now, me and Brian and some other folks that we talk with had arguments because I was fine with the conservative call. 55 seconds, three timeouts with Clemson. We fuck up there. It, we're going to be down 14. And we talked about managing emotions. How many times, especially the last two years, have we seen when we go down, this team fucking crumbles? And that's why I was fine with it. It sucked. People... I felt like, to me, my vantage, it looked like someone had Heem's arm, why he didn't reach out for it. People said he just didn't reach out. But aren't you taught, Brian, as a football player, if it's here, you've got to protect? His instinct took over. Sorry. I was fine with what we did. 
You weren't. And I was people, not. Some other people that were arguing with me were not. And I mean, you know, is what it is. But you can say why you, you were not. You're down one score to Clemson before halftime. Had a chance to be tied with Clemson going into halftime. From a mindset perspective, being tied against a team ranked as high as Clemson feels a whole lot better than coming up six inches short because you got too damn conservative with a minute and a change to start the drive. You got to be aggressive. You're not up. If you were up, sure, take the conservative route, make sure they don't have a chance to score again before halftime. You're down. You're not playing for anything. Take a damn risk. Roll the dice. Hey, Brian, what did the defense do when we came out, though? I mean, they came out there. What, they get a stop, and then? Yeah, and then we, you know. <laughs> uh, defense first half, though, if you told me the way they played, and I would have been shocked. That was by far the first half and parts of the early second half was the best Jayhan has called a game. The guys played great. We tackled pretty good, Brian. We tackled a whole lot better than I expected against a team that's good at not getting tackled. We played we played leverage well. We gave up the big chunks. We we said it here. We said it here just a few days ago. They're going to get chunks. Try to stop those chunks from being touchdowns. We did. First big chunk of the night was the fourth play of the game. Yep. We stopped it, and then we held to a field goal, which was like the biggest victory. Yeah, that, that 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 set the tone for the first half, and until that last drive um, where they took the lead, it kind of felt like we felt confident in the way we were playing. Yeah, and, and that was important at that point in the game, and then. You know, you had one touchdown, then you start getting in your in your mind a little bit. And I'm gonna say something else. Um, what happens to Brad Cornelson's brain when he reaches the uh, opponent's 35 yard line? Nobody fucking knows, dude. What uh, happens? Uh, it's like the XL oh, super tight butthole as soon as he gets to that 35 yard line. I have no idea what like that's something you can't cure. <laughs> No, it's not. Because he, he does it all the time. All the time. All the time. And it's he's better inside the 10. He, he the thir- It's the 35 to the 10 where he is god-awful. In, in the words of Gilbert Godfrey and one of your favorite, he's a moron. He's a moron. You know what he is? He's a moron. I mean, yes, sir. we got to the 35 a couple times, and it was, you know, that's that's reasonable distance for Brian Johnson. It's three. It's a chance at three points, and we just start doing these idiotic things, or not idiotic things. Sometimes, how about predictable? It's so, predictable and bad. Predictable. Let's pussyfoot behind the line of scrimmage with the play that we usually call. Yep, that was another one. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're it second and fourteen or third and fifteen and. Um, I'm gonna say so. I've I've been up and down on the, on this player a lot, but this player had a bad game today. And that's Brock Hoffman, and and not not between the whistles. Brock Hoffman yeah. had a bad game once the whistle blew. 
Brock Hoffman was not doing what I said, and that is controlling your emotions and playing within the game. Zero. He controlled them. Zero. He, his ass got benched today, too. Yeah, I mean, you know it's bad when we're like, yeah, he's playing so bad, we're going to put Hoyt in there. We're going to roll we're going to roll that that snapping dice and we're going to say we'll we'll take a couple snaps over over a quarterback's head over you know bonehead play. We're losing 15 yards anyway. We might as well lose it within the whistles. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true and it's one of those things where you know what he brings with the nastiness. He brings the edge, which is great, but too many times and it seems like too many times when we're in scoring situations where we're driving the ball, it's been happening. Yeah. And we get a good play on, uh, on, on what third down or second down, second down. It was yeah. um, in we're already in field goal range and we get a good play on second down and then you get it backed up 15 Wait. yards. So instead of a third and two, you're at, you know, third and 24 or something like, like, what are you doing, man? Just, Play the game you need to play. Like you're not gaining an edge if you do stuff after the whistle. You gain an edge by everything you do within the whistle. Within the whistle till the echo of the whistle. Yeah. The stuff that happened today, the, the play was over. He just launched himself, and it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, they took the quarterback to the ground, but that's their job. It's not like you were engaged. It's not like that it was ten seconds after, and they throw a shoulder on Braxton laying down. The play was over. The guy was within his right to do what he did. And you go in there and you lay a shoulder. And it went from like, what was it like? It would have been like third and what, five to third and 20. And then, of course, third and 20. Let's go back to the play calling. And third and 20 is like, we we need to take a shot. We're we're not within within field goal range because at that point in time, it would have been like a 60-yarder. But it's like, okay. You would probably scrape, run a screen, run something where you can get maybe five or ten regardless. Yep. What do we do? Was it? it was a quarterback <laughs> run, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was another quarterback run, and um, saw a lot of those tonight. Saw a lot of those from three different quarterbacks tonight. Um, quarterbacks. Um. <laughs> by the way, prayers up for Hendon Hooker. We uh, right before we got on, the tweet went out that. Hendon Hooker could not get warm. When he got to the, when he went back out there, the second he was not right. He was not right when he took that snap. No, um, he, in my personal opinion, he shouldn't have been on the field. Um, no. I'm, I don't, I don't know what what the words were exchanged in terms of him conveying stuff to the staff, um, but. If he was dealing with that to that degree, he should not have been on the field. No, not at all. And that's almost, you know, you almost want to say to a point now, practice. Because if he really was, if, if he was really feeling like that, you don't put him out there. Because that could mean so many things. That could mean neurological things. That could mean he's coming down with the flu. That could mean so many bad things. And, it kind of started early because with that that weird snap where he where he fumbled it, he looked like his brain and his body weren't communicating. No, properly. no, no they weren't. There, there's something going on. Um, so prayers up for him from you know, you know, for all of us. Again, 
these guys are playing a rough game. We pull for the players 100%. Um, I still think whomever the coach is next year, if Hendon is healthy, Hendon is a viable Division I starting quarterback and a very good one. He's been put in some bad situations this year. Um, and Absolutely, and I, and I, you know, I think he's a guy that if we wanted to see him take some of those next steps we had talked about before the season, he he probably needed a full off season. So I mean, I'm sure that that's working against him. The stuff with COVID to start the season and him not getting as many practices worked against him, and then just some of the play calls and some of the the. Uh, fact that he's having to tote the ball a lot more than he probably should have it takes a toll on you man and I you know I don't know if any of that has anything to do with what's going on with him tonight but you know regardless of that I I, I like Hannon Hooker he's my quarterback so that's all I'll say on that one yeah he's our quarterback um saw Knox Kadem tonight Knox with some good run um they had a couple good throws they had one that Almost hit Blackshear up the sideline. I was like, just leave that a little more in bounds, man. That was that was a looked like a little wheel route from the slot by Blackshear. Got got behind the uh, the cornerback there. Um, safety came over a little late there, but the ball just wasn't quite where it needed to be. Uh, Venables uh, lit into the cornerback on that one. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, oh, he was broadcast, but he he was he was livid on that one. He lost his shit on that. It's pretty funny. Um, but with Knox, you know, three-star guy, um, you know who won back-to-back state titles after Trevor Lawrence graduated in that division? Was it Knox? Knox Gatum down at Rome. Well, shout, out, shout out Hambone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you got a guy who coaches, he knows his, knows his shit, knows the players, has yeah, you know, had conversations with them. It, it's helpful having a couple guys that are in the coaching ranks and a couple guys that, you know, have some of that, uh, you know, that that insight there. So shout out Hambone, love you, yep. buddy. Haven't seen you in a while, so we got to get together sometime soon. Um, and yeah, man, let's talk about Blackshear. Oh, do you want to talk about Blackshear, Mister? Let's talk about Blackshear. Finally used him right, but you got excited. We finally. I was like, where was this eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago? Like, you know, we, we've been saying all year, you know, this guy's an offensive weapon. This guy's yeah. an offensive weapon. Stop using him as a spellback. This guy's an offensive weapon. He's not a between-the-tackles runner. Use him. Use him. Use him. Not like that. Use him the right way. And we finally get a little taste of it tonight. Man, we could have really used some of that the previous nine games. Damn right we could have. <laughs> as thin as we've been at wide receiver all year, you telling me that a guy with that type of talent couldn't have done a little something for us? You shake well, your head at that, man. You know what? It goes back to the stuff that has been discussed about what Jerry Kill said about Brad Cornelson. He can't read film. That I think it fucking proves it. I think it fucking proves it. Look at you when you looked at the Rutgers tape, Brian. This is starting last February when we started this podcast. When he committed, after he committed, and you got to look at it, you're like, man, this offense he can do this, he can do this. Oh my god, this is great. This is a perfect weapon for this offense. And it literally just took them 
nonsense weeks in a game. <laughs> every single way. It, it took y'all nine games in a year and how to get him involved. <laughs> well, I'm, here's what happened. Fuente sent Kiel the tape. And Kiel was like, well, just use these seven plays. You, hell, he'll probably get 100 yards. Why y'all do this all year? It, it, oh, man. You know, uh. and Juice broke 1,000 tonight, which is great. Juice Herbert, if you didn't, did you see it earlier this week? Like, there was some one of the draft gurus has put him as the number five back. Yeah. And I mean, that 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 that's probably a good. I'd say somewhere between three and five would be where I'd put him. Yeah. Um, if he'd have had a full season, been healthy all year, I mean, he'd be he'd be at least twelve hundred. I'd say. I'd say fourteen. I'd say more. Yeah. Um, I'm saying I'm not, not. I'm saying at this point, not even counting what what he's going to get against UVA. I, I think he's at least at at twelve hundred if he plays both of those games that he because he had very limited snaps in one game and sat out completely the other. So. It's true. The other thing about Juice, and you, and, you, and you saw it tonight against an elite team with a very good front four and an elite back end. His patience, he waits for the holes. A couple times he made a couple ushka ushkas getting back, and he got back to the line, luckily. His patience. But there are a couple times when Venables would send those blitzes. His pass protection. He knew what he needed to do. He got his body there. He threw the shoulder. He knocked the guy offline, forcing the ball downfield. Uh, especially on that play to Tay Robinson, um, where Tavion, they, they sort of blew their coverage, and Tavion ran the perfect route and got behind the guy. The blitz is coming. You saw Juicer stir that right shoulder, mark the guy completely offline, the fire down the field, huge gainer. He's not coming back. So go ahead and put that. Christian Darisol had a nick tonight. They did not put him back in, thank God. Yep. Almost if you're Darisol, if Darisol doesn't play against UVA, I don't care. He shouldn't. That guy has made his money. You didn't see his side too much tonight. You saw him wipe out some of the better defensive linemen on that Clemson team, and they are good. Yep. He was owning them. Owning them. He is a first-round pick. Um, what I will say, um, Brian? Yep. I wouldn't mind my team taking him. We got Trent Williams. Mike McGlinchey is looking more like a – like if he slipped down inside, it would be a lot better. His pass pro is just not that good. But he would make a nasty guard at 6-8. I'd, I'd take him at, you know, 20. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking him either uh, as a <laughs> future left tackle for us as well because uh, our guy's getting up there too. So, yeah. I, you know, so it, it, I feel bad I mean, for those guys that, that 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 they're going out this way. I'm hoping that we can circle the wagons a little bit and get the damn Commonwealth Cup back because I just I haven't seen this team play four quarters well enough where I'm even confident at that at this point. Yeah, it's true, man. I mean, uh, the only game we played four quarters well was the first, the the, the NC State game. That was yep. our best year um, with guys not there. Um, so, you know, just uh, let's let's do this. Why hasn't Changa Hodge been used all year? His routes didn't look complicated tonight, but they were very effective. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like what he did tonight. Big catch um, after, I think, having, what, like one or two targets all year and no catches. Um, finally finally got some targets, got some catches out of him. Um, looked good with the ball in his hands. Uh, wish we would have gotten him more involved a lot earlier in the season. Um, could have really helped with some of the depth issues we had at wide receiver. Could have kept guys like Trey Turner more healthy. Um, as we were going through the year. Um, but, you know, here we are at uh, December the 5th, and, you know, we finally get, uh, get get some catches for the young man. So good for him for, you know, making the most out of the opportunities he was given today. Uh, yeah. Fairs had a couple catches as well. Um, Fairs had one. One, okay. One, but, okay. But they went three for 22 combined. But you've always talked about what our offense, what, what, what really helps it are those five, six, seven easy passes. The two balls they caught were easy. They weren't yep. strenuous catches. But you've all, you have always mentioned those type passes, the linebacker, everything starts spreading when you start doing that. The linebackers go out. The safeties go out. And when you've got guys like Juice, or the Braxton's quarterback or Hendon's quarterback. When those when that starts spreading, it's a lot more room to go. Well, like- also when you, when you got to make linebackers and safeties and nickel corners have to move towards the sidelines and not towards the middle of the field or upfield to to get penetration in the run game, it opens so much of the other stuff up. And you know when safeties start creeping. You can hit them over the top with double moves. You can hit them over the top with play action. So there's just so much other stuff that can open up if you can work those uh, the play action and when you can work the short passing game. And I'm just it, it's frustrating watching our inability to to set some of this stuff up where we can really take those shots when they will help us. Well, it's, but it's even more frustrating that what we see on the offense is. It, it, and we've said this a couple of times. We've said it numerous times this year. It's the same thing. It is the same thing. And I've said it to Brian, and I've said it on here numerous times. This type of offense with who we can get recruiting-wise right now, it's so effective. It's so effective. Yep. And the thing is, if you had the right person pulling the trigger on plays, even with Trey's a four-star, Hendon's a four-star, Doug Nestor's a four-star, James Mitchell's is a four-star, right? Yeah. A, four four-stars, the rest are three-stars or two-stars. We should be putting up 40 points a game. Even against a team like Clemson, you saw us move the ball at times today. That's what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating to us as fans. You can't have the execution flaws that we had tonight, and you can't have the bad play calls that kill drives that are moving well. Um, I mean, we had, I mean, it was just, it was a comedy of errors between the bad calls, the post whistle miscues, and the times we put the ball on the turf tonight. Like, it was just a comedy of errors. And, you know, I'm not saying that it would have made the game close enough where we would have had a shot at the end, but it would have at least covered the damn spread. So 
True. That would that would have been something to to talk about, even if it was a loss. Um, so you know, you, you lost out on that by just ineptitude on offense. And well, but- the, the the plays are there. It's the preparation for the team that you're playing, and then the calls themselves, especially in certain areas of the field or certain times of the game. And folks, we've been saying this for now weeks. Um, And these were things we were seeing last year before we started this podcast. So what, what really gets you is after 2018, let's go back, let's reverse back a couple years ago. If the moves are made correctly and the right people are put in place, I coach in a couple of weeks. I don't. So you're saying if we would have hired a proper offensive coordinator two years ago, we'd be reloading instead of treading water and, and, and potentially drowning here in terms of the uh, the head coach? We'd be making Dabo say, listen, if we can fucking hang 70 on them, we need to fucking hang 70 on them because they're going to become a problem. But he doesn't have to worry about that. What we have to worry about now is where do we go? Um, um, got some news on that front that just uh, hit the pike. What, what hit? Well, uh, Napier is heading back to ULL, and sources are saying, uh, per Bruce Feldman, that Shane Beamer is going to be named the next head coach at South Carolina. Mm. That hurts. But you yep. know what? Good for Shane, because as I'm looking at the Oklahoma-Baylor game, that game is 27-7. Oklahoma should have scored a lot more points than it did. What this tells me is Shane Beamer, who did interview this week, because remember, everybody read, Stoops came in for a couple days to help out. Shane Beamer doing a hell of a lot more than just special teams coordinating and coaching the tight ends. Sounds like he might be running practices, running scout teams. And shit like that. Because they, they struggled, struggled. I was keeping an eye on their game as the, our game kind of waned on. They struggled until the last couple drives here. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you, you hate it. Um, I, I know that Shane Beamer has been a lightning rod within the fan base, even though I think a lot of folks have kind of warmed up to the idea of Shane, regardless of how they feel about some of the, the, the things that they were apprehensive about before, um, especially with everything we've got going on um, with COVID and with having to potentially get rid of a coach during COVID. Um, I think there was a lot to be excited about if, uh, if Shane Beamer was the guy. Um, but now we move on. Um, you know, we'll see if, uh, if sounds like Napier's holding out maybe for another position potentially in the SEC. Auburn. <laughs> so, you know, we, we move kind of, unfortunately, down the list. Uh, I, I think that was probably two of our top three or four guys in the, on the list. So there, there's probably two more out there that are high candidates and maybe one or two that are fallbacks if you feel like you absolutely have to get rid of Fuente at this point, which I feel like I think we're in agreement. You have to get rid of Fuente at this point. Um, well, again, op- optics be damned. We talked about this on Thursday night. Hey, you know, I'll listen Friday. Yeah. Who should we go handcuff 
to something in, in Lane Stadium right now? Uh, yeah, let's keep the Tony Pony around. Let's keep Tony Pony. Uh, <laughs> just back of the brink struck. That's yours. Yeah, hey, hey uh, Mr. Elliott, uh, let's have a little chat real quick here. You run a damn fine offense there, sir. All right, let's be realistic, though. Let's go <laughs> from here. Again, tonight we lose. We see the defense have its best game of the year. The offense does the same old shit, just different day. Um, but now that we're seeing the news breaking, you know, live to us, and y'all are going to see this by the time Brian drops this out on Monday morning, Shane's going to South Carolina. Now for Shane, um, well, hold on a second. I need to send that message to my cousin who is a South Carolina alumni. Yep, it's 11.30, but his ass should still be up in a moment here. <laughs> He's seeing this shit right now. Is that, is that going to make him happy or not? Is he a Shane I guy? I don't know. He's an older guy. He is. Uh, he graduated 88, 89 there. So clearly this is the best era. The Spurrier era was the best era of football he's seen. But I have a question, though, if you say Shane goes there. They fired Muschamp, right? Is Shane – this is what I want to ask. Is Shane putting himself in never getting another head coach position after this? Because they've got Georgia. They've got Florida. Tennessee's always sleeping. Kentucky's decent. They'll beat Vandy every year. They should beat Missouri every year. Yeah. It'll be interesting hate- to see what, what happens there, man. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what – what fan expectations are for this team and how much, how much rope they're going to give the next staff. Cause I mean, obviously Muschamp didn't get the job done and that that's even with probably slightly lower expectations than what they had during the Spurrier area. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I think for the most part, I think the, the that fan base to still be in the, potential conversation to play in the SEC championship game. If it's after, you know, November 15th, if they, if they still are not mathematically eliminated from that, most years they'll be happy. Um, oh, they want to, they, every three years they'd like to get to one. So they're going to beat Florida and Georgia every three years, both of them in the same year, at least one of them and let them eat themselves on the other side. I'm mean, even if you're, if, even if they skirt in on a tiebreaker, man, but hold on, but what you're saying is that you're going to beat one of them, but then when you – the year they finally do it, they'll play Alabama and get squirrel stomped. Absolutely think, they will. I, but I think that fan base is happy enough just, just being invited. <laughs> until they aren't. Until they aren't. But that, that's going to depend on how much they ratchet up expectations based on those wins. All right. So if Shane's out, Healy – Napier, I think Napier's waiting for Gus to get fired. That's my gut of guts. Because I think Napier, what he likes to do, and he sees what Gus has there, I just need him to fire because I can walk in and win nine or ten games the first year and make them happy. Anyway, Freeze, I think, is going to Tennessee. Pruitt, I think he's done. Although some people say, well, Pruitt, give him another year. You know, this, this crap happening. All right. All right. Give him another year. All the people that think you should keep Fuente around another year, keep him another year. Let me throw these two names, or let me throw this name at you. If you're wit right now, you see Shane's gone. 
or per Bruce Feldman. You call Luke Fickle up and say it's yours and whatever you want. I mean, Fickle, I think, was going to be one of the top two or three candidates regardless. So, I mean, you certainly do everything you can at this point, knowing your other probably two to two to four top candidates are are no longer in play. You know, you go ahead and say, we'll do whatever we can do and 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 have that interview and have those discussions and see what comes of that. Um you know, beyond that, I mean, we, we've named some other guys that we said we'd be okay with if, uh, if, if the, if some of the top, top names weren't the guy. Um, you know, we had mentioned guys like Grantham. We had mentioned guys like Chadwell. We had mentioned, uh, Healy. We had mentioned, uh, Marcus Freeman. Um, so, I mean, all those guys are still potential candidates out there. Um, I, you know, varying degrees of, of how you feel about them, obviously, but, you know, just because those two are gone doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're out of the hunt here. So got to push forward on that front. And anybody that out there that says, well, I don't want to be minus or I don't want to be minus higher. Fuck that. Because right now you are about to lose more people. I do not want to see Lane Stadium next year at 50,000. I do not want to see it where Brian, if me and you want to go, you got 10 bucks, let's go. I don't want to see that. And I said that Thursday. I said that a couple times. I don't want to see that. I want tickets to be the hardest tickets in the state of Virginia to find. Yeah. I, and, and if you keep them there, it's going to happen. And I don't care if like, well, he makes all these changes. What if he makes the changes? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I mean, COVID aside, the roster is not going to get any better in the near future than it was this year. Nope. So if this is what we're getting with this roster, we need to do something different. We have to. You're talking about this roster. I know people say, well, they didn't have the offseason. Like, th- nobody had an offseason. Nobody had spring. Yeah. Everybody so the same nobody shit. had this stuff. So either you're saying you're making excuses for the coaches not doing well right now but everybody else obviously was doing well enough at some point where they're not having these same problems. So it's still circling back to the coach in some way, shape or form here. It's true, man. And then if you just go ahead and just look around the ACC right now, I mean, take a look at the ACC, Brian, and just the ACC. So, you know, we can, we can just look around Miami with a brand new offensive coordinator is seven and one. NC State with what seemed like a lame duck coach with new defensive coaches is seven and three. Boston College with a brand new coaching staff, Miss Jerkovich last missed him today, five and five. UVA is four and four, five and four now. Wake is essentially. Sorry, somehow this gave me something weird. Wake is four and three. Pitt's five and five. We're down here on the bottom half with Georgia Tech, Louisville, Florida State, Duke, and Syracuse. That don't cut it. I mean, I would have, I was going to be disappointed if we didn't at least, at least win seven games this year. So obviously, count me in the very disappointed. <laughs> 
very, very disappointed. I, I was thinking we had the potential to win eight or nine games on this schedule. So, I, you know, at some point coaches have to be accountable here, not preparing the team properly to win. Obviously players are accountable, but we know they're accountable. They're on the field. We see, we see their mistakes. We see their mistakes. We see, we see the coaching mistakes too, though. And in, at some point, you can't just you can't get rid of the players. So what are you going to do? Get rid of the damn coaches. Yes, well, the whole thing we've seen we've seen the we've seen the players go out there and make good plays, make bad plays. But we've also seen it at times where they are put in the worst positions. Yeah, the position like why would you put a player in that sort of position? I don't get it. We're about to uh, win our Baylor Oklahoma line, Brian. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm going to circle back to the to the Hendon thing tonight being on the field. I mean, I I don't know who made that call, but he should not have been out there. And that's 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 been bothering me since I saw the word of what was going on. I could tell, like looking at the camera when he came off, he wasn't right. And then just hearing more and more, I'm like, something something's going on. Something's going on. And I can't I can't imagine the that level of not having that level of awareness to see that he wasn't ready to be the player he needed to be. Like you're, you're putting him out there where he could potentially get hurt. And yeah. that, that's not good. No, it's not good at all. Um, what else here? Alabama just smashed the living shit out of LSU tonight. 55-17. Um, Man, can you imagine like, Coach O would be gone if he hadn't won a national championship last year. <laughs> but you know what it is now? He is going to be on the hot seat next year. If they don't win ten games, he's probably going to get his ass. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to have to call in some favors and get get a couple guys in there and you know right the ship again. I mean, I I love Coach O from a uh, you know, Inter- just interview the you know the way he kind of carries things, but he's you know, he's had those seasons where he's done really well and had some seasons like this where it's just a complete stinker, man. <laughs> um man. I, I it's it's one of those things I'm 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 past the point of being mad. I'm not mad. I'm you know, I, I'm dealing with it, but catch me catch me about ten days from now, if he isn't fired, I'll be mad again. Because clearly I'm with you. Because here's the thing. Witt's putting his neck on the line if he keeps him. I think also if Witt was going to keep him, I think Witt have made an, would have said something by now. Because you, you try to get out in front of it, right? I think he would have definitely wanted to – good or bad, I think he would want to set the expectations of the fan base if that's what was coming. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to leave the fan base in lurch since the Liberty game and then be like, well, one more well, year, let's do it. Let's do this. <laughs> he's gone. We see, though, I mean, let's just run through. I see Fickle as a good hire. I see Freeman as a good hire. I see Napier as a good hire. Hell, yeah, I don't know if, if Napier means just at this point because – there haven't been a official channels yet that he's staying with the raging Cajuns for now, or if he means that he was only interested in the South Carolina job 
this season. And if he didn't get that, he was going back. Well, uh, so obviously time will tell on that one because obviously South Carolina can openly interview for the, for the job right now, whereas we are not in that capacity. So from any, from any official front that that's going to be, you know, what, what the word is. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's still a potential uh, hire on the list, but we shall see. Yep. I think Napier's still a potential. Again, I think Napier, you know, again, I think Napier's waiting for Auburn if they fire Gus. By yeah. the way, screw it. If they fire Gus, I'll take Gus. Would you? I don't think he'd come, but. I, I've got mixed emotions on, on Gus. I like Gus, but, oh, man. <laughs> But there's so many. Good- Gus, Gus is like a, a more stable Lane Kiffin to me. <laughs> hey, that's actually a good way to put it. He is a more stable Lane Kiffin. <laughs> because the rumors are flying that Healy is very high for Vandy. Do you yeah. believe that? And if Healy were to come and say Vandy or Virginia Tech? I mean, Virginia Tech's the better job Vandy plays in the in the SEC. Um, well, Vandy's your step, biggest stepstone job. You go in there and you win seven or eight games a year like Franklin did. I think Franklin hit nine one year. Yeah, but every other coach goes to die there. <laughs> That's it. Literally one coach. In the you, either, you either go to die or it's your stepping stone to the, to the blue blood job. There's no in between. <laughs> I'm always to a point. I've said this to a couple guys, and I might even said it to you. Vandy just needs to go to hire one of the service academy coaches and run a triple option. That's the only chance they have to be five to seven wins every year is to run a funky ass offense that literally is you're getting enough good athletes and enough smart players to where you probably could win five to seven every year, occasionally break eight because playing a team like we're going to go play South Carolina. Dude, they got four days to prepare for this shit. <laughs> it's true, man. The only thing I will say is that for a team like that, that pretty much even best case scenario knows they're not winning their their division of the conference, they like the ebb and flow. They they like the uncertainty. They like the like. I don't think they like losing, but I think they like the chance of having something nice happen, like a James Franklin come to them and they upset a team or two once once or twice. Whereas I think if you do something like the triple option, you'll probably beat the teams that aren't good enough to overcome that, but you're still probably going to lose to every good team on your schedule. They would be, they have a chance to beat Kentucky every year. They'd have a chance to beat South Carolina every year, Missouri every year. And depending on who it is, they would have a chance to catch Florida or Georgia every five years. They would probably have a chance to catch Tennessee every third year. I'm missing one team in the East there. They are the other team in the East. And <laughs> who they're playing in the West. All right, if you're not playing Alabama, if you're playing one of the Mississippi schools, you can catch them. If you're playing Arkansas, you can catch them. I'm, I'm telling this, Arna. Like, but for them, it's more. It depends on if they want to be just a, a good mid-tier team or if they want to. I, I, like I said, I think they more. They, they, they If they're going to. 
take do something like that, they want to shoot for the moon where they can actually do something big. So they're going for more splash and then hope it works out versus something like steady Eddie. Uh, play play good defense, control the ball with the triple option, make people not be able to uh, properly uh, play defense against you because they're having to worry about getting cut and have to worry about who's got the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. And, you know, I'm trying to find it here. Hold on. Let me just find it. There's a quote that I like. And I wanna... What is it? The Darth Vader, I will not fight you and you will meet your destiny. The destiny quote. This is your destiny, Vanderbilt. You will <laughs> never win the You will never win the SEC. You won't. But what you could do is be that thorny team like fucking Georgia Tech was. Georgia Tech got lucky. They were in the ACC. But you imagine every like fifth year or every tenth year with a triple option offense, Georgia has a bad game offensively and they beat Georgia like 28-24. It's true. Vanderbilt has to look at what they are. Vanderbilt's more service academy than they are South Carolina. That's my point. Um, but you know, I think whatever Whit does, and I know some whoever we hire, people are going to be pissed. They are. They're going to be pissed. Some people want to change regardless. They want to change. I think a lot of reason folks were getting on the shame train <clears throat> was I think people knew have a recognizable figure who has a good personality. The money's going to come in. Nothing else. Fuente has reflected that we're behind in recruiting. We're behind in the analytics of the overall of the personal development staff itself. Behind in the paper coaches. Fifteen years ago, we were not. Fifteen years ago, we had the fourth highest paid coaching staff. We were, if we weren't par with the blue bloods or just underneath them in facilities, we were that way. And stuff like that, just under them. We lost yeah. it. We have to try to get back there. And I think right now you want to see an influx of donations in the next 18 months, 24 months. You hire somebody. You hire somebody with a charismatic personality. You hire a CEO. We, we tried the X's and O's, and, and it stayed status quo. And, again, no harm to who Justin Fuente is as a person. I think they screwed up by not hiring a good enough PR director by saying you have to coach him to become not but an expert. You have to make it where the conversations you have with David Teal and the writers behind closed doors, that's the one you want to take to the donors. Yeah. You, you have to have that. When he gets in his comfort zone and talking about his family and talking about football and talking about his guys – he relaxes when he gets when he has to talk about the business of football. You know, I, I talk about tight asshole. He gets a tight asshole. I mean, it just seems like he, he doesn't that doesn't translate for him. He just wants to coach football. And that's fine for a coordinator. That's fine for a position coach. That's not fine for a head coach. And I, that's not necessarily knocking him as a person. That's just saying that's a limitation he has. And that's a limitation that's going to hold us back if he remains our head coach. 
is truth. And, you know, and that's his limitation. The other limitations we've mentioned before, he, he won't let go of his guys. And I think what it's going to take him is he's going to have to take the full step down to understand this as a business. Don't hire friends. Hire people that can coach. Hire people that you can let go of. You know, it is what it is. So, man, we've been talking, I think, about 45 minutes now or so. I mean, I mean, we're watching some football. Pack 12 after dark. I'm sipping on a Breckenbach, which for those who have Ollie near them, go get this beer. It is probably one of the best box I've had, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than a lot of your uh, other brands. Yeah, I had to turn you on to that. I was like, I was walking mm-hmm. through Aldi. I was like, okay, this is kind of a knockoff brand, but it's priced right. I'll take a look at it. Don't, but, but what did we talk about the other night with it? Don't let the, oh, this is Aldi brand. No, this is brewed out of Wisconsin. Yep. Anything they know how to do in Wisconsin, they know how to make cheese and they know how to brew beer. You see, if you see a Wisconsin brewing company on any beer, buy it. It's probably a good beer. Simple Times from Trader Joe's, at, I think it's $3.99 a six pack, $7.49 for a case or for a 12 pack. Well worth the price. I'm with you, buddy. I mean, there, there's there's a lot out there. So yeah. try them out and see what you like, guys. Um, I'm not trying to push push the beer thing and just saying yeah. he's drinking it. I've drank it. Go drink it. I, I will also, I'm going to I'm gonna self-promote here. Um, I'm a hams guy when it comes to just like easy sipping, something domestic. Um, that's my go-to. That's my go-to. Curtis said, uh, Genesi, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're cheap. Yeah. They're cheap, but Genesi simple times hams are cheap, but well tasted beers. It, it mean, doesn't taste like, like sometimes when you get the, uh, the cheap shit, the, the <laughs> real cheap shit, it's like, okay, well I'm drinking beer flavored water. Nah, this actually has some taste to it. It's got some body to it, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't fill you up like some of the, the heavier, craft beers do and it's cheap so very um brian let me ask this right now let's get back to football real quick as we got into our beer discussion because you know clearly we've been having a few today tonight we are looking two weeks from tonight we're watching the acc championship we might come on for an episode we might not justin fuente has been fired if shane is gone if what feldman is reporting is going to happen who do you want to see stepping up to the podium the week after Christmas? Because I'll put it at that, the week after Christmas, 28th, 29th. Who do you want to be stepping to the podium? Uh, at this point, knowing the stuff that is potentially went down tonight, I'd prefer Fickle. I'm going to go Marcus Freeman. It's not mm-hmm. sexy, but I think, I think it's a good hire. Um, well, I prefer I, well, I, in a perfect world, it'd be Tony Elliott, but I just, I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. If you told me perfect world, it would be Tony right now too. Um, I'm kind of with you. I think you give Freeman a chance. I think you give a 34 year old his chance. I think you give a guy who played at an elite university, who's turned down some good positions 
who played in the NFL, who from what it seems and what you read, he has a damn charismatic personality because Fickle doesn't. Now, here's one thing about Fickle. You kind of look at him on the sidelines. He gets a little hot-headed, but Fickle, I think he could do it. I think Freeman has the personality. And, I mean, he doesn't have much to pull a coaching staff from, but sometimes maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need somebody who hasn't stopped at many places that will go out and find the best professionals with the, you know, who jive with him versus hiring his buddies. Yeah. Brian, I mean, I, I, can, I can see that working out for us. Um, you know, it's a guy that at this point hasn't made enough long contacts with people where, you know, they're willing to sacrifice their own job to make sure somebody else keeps one. Cause I mean that I feel like in a lot of ways, that's what, uh, Justin Fuente's done with at Virginia Tech here with with Cornelson and with some of the other guys. So, you know, I'm not saying that if we had gotten a proper offensive coordinator, everything would be uh, sunshine and rainbows. But I don't think we'd be losing to the liberties of the world. I don't think we get blown out by Pitt. I don't think we let the second half of tonight happen the way it happened. So that that's just where I am. I, I think that this university and this team could benefit from the the boost the honeymoon period that comes with having a new head coach both both from a donation standpoint fan engagement standpoint um some of that would help buoy recruiting to a point so you know that that's something that might be good for us kind of just get get some new blood in here and get some excitement back around this team even if it's you know on a wing and a prayer at this point and based on, you know, promises and not necessarily on, you know, something that we know is concrete. So right, we'll see what happens in, in the next, you know, 10 days or so. Um, hopefully by December 15th, we'll have some words. Um, and shortly after that, we'll maybe have a, have a special episode for you guys to talk about that. So we'll, we'll see Absolutely. how it goes. Absolutely. Some things are in the work for that, Brian, as me and you are working behind the scenes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, te- we'll tease that a little bit more later. This is, this is the, the first little breadcrumb for you folks. Yeah. Might have a special guest. Hey, Brian, let's look through our uh, games today. Um, let's start last night. You got it right. I got it wrong. Although, Everybody roasted Billy Napier for taking the safety. Can I say I think he was right? When you have a son that you can't snap a damn punt, take the safety. Because if he snaps that thing <laughs> wrong and they fall on him in the end zone, they win the damn game. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It was it was a ballsy call. Um, it was it, it it was big big time big nut move because. If if that team goes down there and scores and you have to take that game into overtime, you're going to kick your own ass for the next 100 days. But they win. Yeah, well, yeah. If they missed, they were going to uh they would they would have went to the OT. But looking at it here, um App State had scored one touchdown, they scored two touchdowns all game. 
at that point in time, they had only 290 yards of offense. I think he made the right call. Okay. Again, I I didn't dislike the call given the situation, especially since it had already happened to him once in the game, and uh, a couple other snaps had been not good. My great um, you know, <laughs> Yeah, they were terrible. You know, so you, you, know, you cost cost them an extra point there. You cost them a a touchdown going the other way on the uh, yeah on the punt. So, uh, all right. So you won that one. I lost. Yeah, I did. I'll take it. The Cusin Irish, that looked like that was going to be an upset early. Ends up the Cuse start sucking again, which is not a shock. Irish almost cover it, but they don't. I take that. I was, I was that close. If they'd have played that way the whole game, damn it. Oh well. Well, BC sneakily hides that their starting running back and starting quarterback will not play until game time. So we got jacked on that one. Although UVA let their backup torch them to a point. Um, you know, obviously BC's defense is a work in progress with Happily. I mean, we scored 40 on them and we didn't look great that night. Um, Brian, the Georgia Tech thing happens right. We both get wins there. Hey. Miami happens right. We both get wins there. Indiana has shown that they probably got their coach in the next 10 years today. It's true. I mean, it's almost a Frank Beamer story. Guy who he goes and coaches 20 plus years elsewhere. Frank, it was close to 15. He comes back home. They did good last year. They're doing great this year. They pull the upset in Madison. Um, maybe I should have never looked at Michael Penix towards ACL. I would have went Indiana like a dumbass. <laughs> um, Baylor covers the 22, and Coastal covers the 10 and wins outright. Um, I, I, I'm almost shocked that after Jamie Chadwell pulls that win that they announced that they're going to hire Shane. You thought they'd wait a little bit and see what? Uh, well, he just get Chadwell in. Well, that, well, I mean, shit. It's almost one of those things now where with Chadwell, it's like hell. Even if you told me at his age, well, they're going to hire Chadwell. Cool, I'd be great with that. You know, you know, Tennessee played in Tennessee. You know, basically been there in South Carolina for the last sixteen years coaching. I mean, shit. He's one of those guys, if he don't get hired this year and he has another good season next year, he's going to get hired. Um, same with Napier. But Napier, I think, again, I, you know, I'll say it, he's waiting Gus out. Napier's about to go 11 and 1, or 10 and 1. Yep. 10 and 2. I think he'll get hired. All right, Brian. What else is out there that we might be missing? Scrolling on. Uh, I'm not seeing anything major. Um, a lot of debate over since the Shane news dropped, who's who the <laughs> the next candidate should be. So that's going to be, I'm sure, a fun uh, fun next ten days as we kind of start speculating on that and see what happens with uh, with uh, with Coach Fuente here with uh, 
potentially getting uh, getting the can. Brian, do you care about integrity? Integrity? Integrity. Yeah. What if I told you we could win 10 to 12 games every year? Would you care about integrity? You're talking about that integrity. That yeah. Is- I'm, I'm, I'm a little more flexible on that level of integrity. I thought you were talking about personal accountability and you know, no, 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 football. You know, why don't we just do threes? Fuck it. Guy can coach, guy can recruit. Might drop a bag or two. <laughs> you know, it, if I thought we weren't going to get like a multi-year bowl ban, yeah, I'd, I'd let it, I'd let the dice roll there. Okay. I, I don't hate to hire. I mean, he's a guy that's going to get players in here and he's a guy that's going to be able to coach him up on offense so he can coach his ass off man on offense and he usually puts guys good enough on the defensive side to uh at least get pressure on the quarterback so if we can do those two things that's going to result in a pretty good amount of wins and well he's always been chummy so he'll go talk to the donors he'll talk to anyone man (laughs) He'll coach from a hospital bed, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian, if there's nothing else breaking, let's wrap it up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On the podcast, please leave reviews. Give us feedback. Do not hesitate to DM us with any points you'd like to see us talk about. We won't hesitate to do it. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, whether we win, whether we lose, let's go. Okies.